Cracking Copy is a marketing and copywriting podcast where we lift the lid on writing for business and read between the lines of effective copy. This is a podcast for creative entrepreneurs and savvy business owners like you who understand the value that great copy can bring to their bottom line. We dive into a different aspect of writing for business in each episode, debunk the myths about how we should write and explore the ways that writing can be fun, conversational and creative while also being high impact for serious results. So listen, laugh and learn with us, Ella Hoyos and Minnie McBride, as we share our words and wisdom in each snack-sized episode. Expect some light bulb moments, interesting guests and practical takeaways as we crack the copy code together. Today, I am delighted to welcome Nikki Trailer to the podcast. We're going to be talking about launches, and Nikki is a seasoned launch copywriter, and she has um, worked with some excellent clients recently, um, and just come up with a seven-figure launch for one of them, and that is in 2023. I could say it's not the easiest year for people who are launching. Would you agree with that, Nikki? Oh my gosh, 100%. I have heard so many stories from people that are just saying, they had a booming business in 2020 and when things were kind of shifting online and they're really struggling to get the same sales that they were. Um, so yeah, that's definitely fair to say. Okay. But before we get into that, let me just introduce you a little bit to Nikki. So Nikki, you're a copywriter and brand voice strategist. We move in similar circles, don't we? We've met in a copy hackers community, uh, which we're both part of. But I just want to go back to the beginning, actually, before we jump in. Um, and ask sort of how long have you been a, a copywriter and where did it all start? So the question is kind of an ambiguous one because I, when I started copywriting, I actually had no idea that that's what I was doing. Um, so I worked in travel for my whole career before I started my business and I was there for about eight years. And as a huge part of that role, I would be writing copy for the website And I just had no idea that I was doing specifically marketing because it just wasn't like the biggest part of my job. But I always loved that part. And I always got really good compliments from my boss on my writing skills, my copywriting skills. But I just never saw that that's where my career was going. Um, During that period, I always felt like there was something else for me that I wanted to run a business. And I had no idea how I was going to do that because in my mind, like running a business was building a product or selling some tech or doing something really complicated and hard. And because I had no idea where to start with that, I just never saw it as an option. Fast forward to 2020. And then, of course, the pandemic hits and I'm stuck at home with nothing to do. There's no work coming in. It was particularly tricky for you because you worked in the travel industry. And of course, that all ground to a, a complete standstill, didn't it? Ground to a halt. It really did. And it was super stressful. I'm not going to lie. Like we were just sat there watching cancellation after cancellation roll in and just like, what's going to happen? Um and I knew that because of the department I worked in, I wasn't directly linked to sales. I just kind of knew that our department was really at risk of losing our jobs. So I started to experiment with different ways I could make money in that period um, because I kind of saw it coming that I was going to be made redundant. And I was correct, um, which is a horrible thing to be waiting for. But also I just was really relieved with myself that I had thought of a strategy and like tried to find a way out of that before it actually hit. Yeah, um, I really admire that. You know, it's, it's just taking that action and, and deciding to do something about it. And presumably that's, that was a pivotal moment for you in knowing that you were going to change your career. 
Yeah, 100%. And I think I had been aware really that I just wasn't 100% happy in my job for a long time. Um, even though on paper, it was kind of what people thought was a dream job. You know, I was traveling backwards and forwards to South America a lot. I was really doing some really cool stuff. Um, and so every time I get in a conversation with people and talk about what I did, people would be like, oh, wow, you really, you got it so lucky. Like, this is amazing. How can I get a job like that? And I'd be sitting there thinking, yeah, there's bits of it that are great, but actually I really, I'm not happy. Um, so it was great to have that kind of reset moment to think about what I really enjoyed and what I really wanted. And I was just lucky enough to stumble across a webinar that was talking about copywriting and it kind of spiraled from there really. Fantastic. Yeah. And um, that really resonates with me as well. You know, your sort of entrepreneurial dream. You always knew that you wanted to have your own business because I felt like that too as a as a teenager. It was my teenage dream. I had this uncle who was a, a serial entrepreneur. And I always thought that I, I always imagined myself running my own business. But I think similar to you and what you've said to me is that you know you feel like you have to invent something new or you have to you know do something really radical to create make a success as a business you know it's that realization that actually it doesn't have to be like that for me i didn't start a business early in the uh, my early part of my career because i didn't understand how i could you know i didn't see what what was that thing that i could make work so i took the corporate path and i became worked in pr and i was a newspaper editor and i was all these jobs for other people before I set out on my own. And now I realize I mean, you don't have to reinvent the wheel to have a successful business. You just have to become really well skilled at what you do. And I think, and find your niche. And what would you say your specialisms are as a copywriter? Definitely as it's gone on and I've started diving more into launches, I'd say I that is definitely where my specialisms and my passions lie. Um, just because it's, to a lot of people, it's this really big, overwhelming thing. And it was to me when I first started, I knew I wanted to work in launches because it just, the idea of it excited me. I love the fact that the work you're doing is so tied to results. So you can immediately see whether you're doing a good job or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was always intimidated by that because I'd see all these people making, you know, six, seven figures in their launches. And I was like, how can I possibly do that? You know, I've just come from working in the travel industry. I don't know what I'm doing when it comes to sales. So I really studied hard to get to a point where I was comfortable with that. And I could advise on the strategy and things because I know it's a big sticking point for a lot of people. And a lot of people are really uncomfortable with launching because there's so much visibility that comes with it. There is just so many pieces to it. And if you're one of these people who needs to launch in your business, you're not necessarily going to know the ins and outs of all that. So I felt like it was something that I could really support my clients with. And I just love that, knowing that I'm really helping someone through something that feels really difficult. And um, what kind of launches do you tend to work on with your clients? Is it product launches? Is it, you know, for bricks and mortar? Is it more online courses and things like that? What, what sort of launches do you like? So I specialize in online businesses um, and helping people market scalable offers. So that would be things like online courses, digital products or group coaching programs, for example, anything that's fully online based. Tell me about your recent success. We're going to go into three things, aren't we? You're going to give me three key things that that will make a successful live launch. Um, And we've Mm -hmm. touched on live launches a bit. Obviously, there are other types. There are evergreen launches that you can do. There are hybrid models of launching live launching is really exciting to you and you like that kind of adrenaline rush um Mm -hmm. tell me recently about that the client that you've had recently the life hack method and what you did for them 
Yeah, so I've been working with um, Lifehack Method. They're a productivity coaching couple for a few months now. And we've worked on a series of launches over different promotions for things. But one of the most recent ones was, it was a really interesting one because, so they had a group coaching program, which is quite high ticket. And for this specific launch, they were increasing the price by $2,500. So quite a big price increase. And we knew that for this launch, we'd have to do a lot to really demonstrate the value of that and why the price was going up and why people should buy it, despite the price increase, you know, why it was really worth that. So it was quite a big job in understanding what they do and what value they were already providing. And then how we could like ramp that up and make it seem even more valuable without stuffing more into the course and the program because it was already so great like people that were coming into it were getting amazing results um and what I love about them is that they're constantly getting feedback they're saying wow um you've really changed my life this has been incredible so I really wanted to like hone in on that when we were doing the promotion because they really are getting amazing results and it's hard to believe that just by just by improving your productivity, this one small area of your life, actually, it can just have this ripple effect and really impact everything you're doing. Um, so yeah, I spoke to a lot of their customers as a first base to really understand what was going on with them when they were looking for support with productivity, why specifically that was what they were looking for. Um, and then what they got out of the program at the end. And seeing the transformations was just incredible. It just made my job, I'm not going to lie, so easy because we just had yeah. so many great results to talk about. And um it was really easy to build that trust and show that value because all these people were coming away with incredible results. Yeah. Um, I have to say that voice of customer piece, getting, getting those testimonials from clients, from your clients, clients, super helpful. And, and if you've got that in place, it can really, yeah, give us as a copywriters, it can give us a head start, can't it? Because that there is the value. And if you can unlock that and promote that, that more than, you know, you increase the perceived value of, of the course and essentially that's what you worked on and that's what you did I think a lot of people as well like they you know are all about getting the testimonials that show the end product but a lot of people don't really dive that deep into where people were when they started and when they joined the course and a lot of people see this end result and they're like yeah well that's great for them but it's not going to be possible for me so I think it's really important to dive that a little bit deeper as well when you're speaking to your customers and understand where they were when they started because that can give you so many insights and really help people see that it's possible for them too as well so it's a great sales tool yeah and so it's really um what you're saying is helping people to envisage their journey how can they achieve that transformation in a realistic tangible way for them it's helping yeah. people to realize that yeah what key things do you think are essential for a successful live launch in in 2023 i would say the first main thing that I am always talking about is having a really great offer so that's basically the thing you're selling and um, because it doesn't matter how good everything else is you can have you know really great copy you can have a really hot audience that want to buy from you but if the thing you're selling isn't something that they need or something that they really want you're just not going to make money on that launch um so I will always start any project by looking at the offer and making sure that's as good as possible and just to explain a little bit, because I always I used to get really overwhelmed with the idea of what an offer was. And it's more than just the course that you're selling or the product that you're selling. It's kind of how it's positioned and how it's packaged together. So that can include anything like if you're throwing in any bonuses, any discounts, how long people get access to it. Is there live support? So all of those elements kind of come together to make it this package. 
and that is what your offer is so you want to make sure that is as good and as strong as possible yeah, um, and it's something that your audience wants before you go and launch sure it's all, it's about that validation isn't it making sure that you know what you want to sell is actually resonating with the audience that you want to sell it to and making sure that you've tested that out for real and so i guess this is you with your strategy hat on now because this is before we even write a word of, of copy am i right yeah yeah definitely i would never start writing copy before we know that the offer is as strong as it can be so with that validation piece as well and just making sure people want to buy it i think that's super important because like with a with a launch generally that period can be quite stressful like it requires a lot of energy from you it requires a lot of time from you and if you're hiring like a strategist or a copywriter it can cost a lot of money as well so to make sure people want your thing before you go and invest all that stuff is so so important and it's just going to save you so much stress in the long run so you can do that by you know testing the water with a really small promo to a small segment of your email list for example or even just like seeing on social media but don't just ask them if people want it it's a case of getting them to put money down put money where their mouth is and see if people are actually buying the thing because a lot of people if you ask them do you want this is this useful to you they'll say yes but they're not necessarily going to be the people that buy from you so you want to make sure people are prepared to put that money down before you then go and invest a load in a launch if you ask somebody to make a small investment i mean this is a psychology piece as well isn't it but the people are willing to invest a small amount if you deliver a good service or product what have you the chances are they're going to reinvest a larger amount next time so it, it it helps okay so great offer number one what's next so the second piece is having a warm audience um because if you haven't got people that already trust you and know you a little bit I know everyone bangs on about no like and trust and I kind of it's such obviously the biggest cliche in the world of marketing but it is just so important um but without trust why are people going to hand over their money to you so I say that the warmer your audience the more they trust you the more they're familiar with you the more likely they are to buy um now that doesn't mean that they have to have been in your world for ages there are ways to warm them up if they're like quite new to you but it does mean that they have to at least be familiar with you and see you as a person that they can trust and that they believe in. Um, otherwise, why should they buy from you, right? This is a pre-launch runway, I guess, isn't it? This is part of a pre-launch campaign of warming up. And, and what sort of tactics would you use um, as a copywriter to, to warm up an audience? So it really depends on, so I with my launches, I tend to focus around the strengths of the person I'm working with. So. I would say that the fastest ways to grow that no like and trust are video um, mm -hmm. because people are seeing your face, they're hearing you speak, um, they're instantly kind of able to see what you're what you're like as a person, whether they do gel with you, they're instantly able to see whether you know what you're talking about. So that's a really fast way of building it. The other thing is referrals. So a good way to do this is to get in front of an audience of people who really trust someone else speak in front of them and get that it's kind of like borrowed um authority so you're getting this person to say i really recommend if you want to learn x you go to this person then of course those people that are in their audience are going to trust you more because you've got the seal of approval from someone that they already trust so that's two ways you can do it quite quickly if you're if you've got a lot of cold people in your audience already and you need to warm them up quickly to launch yeah. um yeah that's yeah, what that, i tend to focus around that's fantastic i love that notion of that sort of 
third party credibility. It's like when I used to work in public relations, you know, PR is all about gaining that that reputation and that third party credibility. It's about getting your story in the media. So the newspaper is saying what a great product or service that you're you're offering. It's not you just saying, hey, look at me, I'm great. You know, it's the difference between <laughs> advertising where you buy the space and you tell everyone, you broadcast how wonderful you are, but having that that other person, that respected other person or, or outlet to refer you and recommend you is really, really um, valuable and helps uh, helps increase that perceived value of what you offer as well. And then I guess there's email marketing, isn't there, that we... we need to do um in order to warm our audiences as well and to, to keep checking in with people and social media obviously mm-hmm. um to build that sort of credibility um in the background before we start to announce our offers and, and sell them any more things that are crucial to that live launch so the third point that i had is powerful sales copy and I know it's easy to say coming from a copywriter that of course I'm going to say copy is important but I think it really is an underrated part of a lot of people's launches you know they'll go and invest heavily in creating this perfect course and doing all the stuff like building their list and then not necessarily investing in the copy in the same way and then it's a shame because a really good copywriter will really get to understand your audience and really like pull out those things that they need to see to make as many sales as possible so with a typical launch you're looking at if you're doing it by email the typical conversion rate so the number of people that are buying from you is one to three percent of your list Mm -hmm. so that's really quite a low number um but if you're i mean like copywriter like me for example my average conversion rate on launches is around seven percent so that's already quite a considerable number and that means you need you know to put less effort into building your list if you want to make the same same results in terms of revenue um so they will put a lot of upfront work in and yes it's upfront revenue that you're spending on that but those results that you're going to get back are going to be bigger yeah it's huge actually even just a one percent lift in conversion rate can result you know that can be tens of thousands of pounds hundreds of thousands of pounds depends what your offer is and it depends like you say how big your audience is to start with that's fantastic didn't you get a seven percent was it about seven point three percent um conversion rate with the life hack thing i think yeah case study which is fantastic i mean that's that's mega so let's talk about sales pages given that that is kind of the pivotal moment between when a buyer, a warm buyer is ready and at the point of at the point of sale, they're considering the offer. What kind of things need to go into a sales page to convert that person from consideration to decision making to buying? Let's talk through that. Yeah, this is such an important piece of the puzzle because a really good sales page has the power to turn a cold audience warm by the time you get to the bottom of it right so I think there's a lot of I mean there's a big argument around whether you should have a short form sales page or a long form sales page and it does depend on the situation right but I'm always an advocate for a long form sales page because all of that text you have so much room to convince people that or or at least show them that this is the right offer for them right so for me the most important things are making it really clear who the offer is for in the first place because if you don't immediately grab them with feeling that it's relevant to them they're not going to even stay on the page to read the details of the offer so that's the first thing it's like a really big hook to show them what they're getting out of staying on this page and whether they're in the right place in the first place 
Absolutely. And it's okay to be a bit polarizing there, isn't it? Because as a oh, yeah. creator, yeah, as a course creator, you want to attract your perfect tribe because you are the ultimately at the end of the day, you want to get the good testimonials, the good referrals. So the next time you launch, it's going to be even greater. You can maybe put your prices up, whatever. You've got some great rave reviews. So it's the right thing to do to iron out who is this for, who is this not for, and to be really clear in the copy to make sure that that, that comes across. Totally. And some people are really scared to do this, which I understand because it feels like you're kind of alienating some people and you're like, oh, but what if that could mean more sales? But actually, I always say this, if you're attracting people that are the wrong fit into your programs or your audience or whatever, then they're not the people that are going to give you a good testimonials. They might even complain. They might request refunds because it doesn't feel like it's for them. So they're actually going to cause you so many more problems down the line. So while it feels scary, it is worth cutting that out in the first place so that actually you're surrounded by all this positivity, people that love you, people that really want to be there. And it's just going to improve everyone's experience of that whole thing. So yes, it feels like a lot, but actually the results of that are going to be worth it. Yeah. And actually another great way to um, to sort of get that into your sales page is through social proof, isn't it? And to put those um, testimonials and reviews from people who've previously worked with you um, because they will, they will give a, a good impression of what it's like to go through the course or the program or the, you know, yeah and I think with um testimonials as well because if people see someone that's in a similar trade to them or like coming from a similar starting point to them then they can be like oh this is for me so it's another way of showing them who it's for without directly doing that with the copy what other elements do we want in our sales pages so another really important thing is obviously clearly explaining the offer So normally I would do this a little bit further down the page. It's not normally one of the first things I do because at the top of the page, you want to be like showing them who it's for and making them stay on the page. That's the purpose of that top section. The next bit is you kind of want to make them understand what it is they're going to get out of this and make sure that they're really seen and heard so that, again, they're staying on the page. And then when you come to the point where you can introduce the offer, that's when you want to get into the nitty gritty of like everything that's included. Um, you know, is it an online course? Is it a product? What are they getting? Are they getting spreadsheets? Are they getting X, Y, Z? And really lay out all those fine details because someone that gets to that point on the page is already kind of interested and they want to learn, okay, so this is what you're giving to me. This is the transformation I can expect. Mm-hmm. Now, how am I going to get there? What's the, what's the vehicle that's going to get me to that point? So you want to show them both things clearly, like what they're going to get and then the how. Yeah. Does it matter the length of your sales page? Does it depend on the value of the offer at the end of the day? So if you are selling a cheap product, maybe you'd have a short sales page. Or does it not necessarily follow like that? I think it's a really interesting question because I think it, it really depends on what you're doing, right? If you want to maximize your potential conversions and sales, I think it's always worth going a bit longer. And you'll see people like, um, so like people like Amy Porterfield, for example, her list building bootcamp, it's not specifically a high ticket offer. It's not what we would probably consider high ticket. You know, it's in the low, I think it's in the three figures, maybe low four figures. But it's one of the longest sales pages out there that I've seen. You know, it's probably 5,000 plus words. And I think that's because she really wants to just max, them out, max out on those conversions. You know, maybe her audience are quite new in business. They're a little bit nervous to make that investment. So more than it being the price, I think it also depends on the person that you've got coming to the page and how ready they are to make that purchase in the first place. So that comes back to knowing your audience and knowing where they're at. 
For example, if they're really cold traffic and they really don't know you, they're going to need to see more on that page again. So you can be building that know, like and trust as they're reading. Whereas if they're already a really hot audience, maybe you can get away with a bit less. So I think it's not always to do with the price. Sometimes it is to do with the audience as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'd agree with you on all those points. And actually, there are tactics that you can use when building out your sales page and designing it where you can just shortcut to the price. Because obviously, one of the main questions that people have coming onto a, a sales page is, well, how much is it going to cost me? You know, what's it about? Yeah, yeah. But all right. So I guess they're kind of if they've bought into the premise of the course already, they just want to get to there. So you can have some buttons, can't you, up front? And use of buttons is really important in a sales page, too, isn't it? so that you don't have to scroll through all the reams of text before you get to the actual the nuts and bolts of what you really want to know. But the backup text is there if you do need that detail and you do want to to find out all those ins and outs. Yeah, exactly. It's funny you say that because I think, um, I can't remember the exact stats or anything, but most people that jump on a long, long form sales page will read the top, they'll scroll to the price. And then if they're interested and they're like, okay, this isn't crazy. Or if they're still interested, but they're like, oh, it sounds like a lot. They'll go back up to the top and then read every word. So mm-hmm. it's not necessarily for the people that are initially landing on that page. But if they're trying to convince themselves out of making a decision, that copy is there to help them see if it's right for them when they're at the point where they're ready. Yeah. Any other key things that we want to mention about sales pages? The closing section at the end of the page is what definitely something that so many people miss. So you'll get to the bottom of the sales page, you'll have the price. And so many people don't go any further than that. So they'll just kind of have the price. And then it's like, are you in or are you out? But actually, at this point, people probably still have quite a few doubts, even if you've gone through, you know, some objection busting further up the page. Once they've seen that price, they still need more from you to remind them that you're trustworthy, or that this is the right answer for them. So having a closing section, it's, it's like when you're on a sales call and someone's closing and they're like, you know, are you ready? Is this what you want? Like at the end of that page, you want to be making sure they're like making that decision on whether they're in or out. It's not just a case of based on the price, but based yeah. on what they're going to get. So you want to remind them of what they're getting and what they're not getting if they say no as well. I think it's just appreciating that sometimes people just need a little bit more time. They just need to process a little bit more. So if you can furnish um, a potential buyer and nearly, I'm, I'm nearly ready to buy. If you can furnish them with just that little bit more of social proof, uh, reassurance that other people have bought this and it was great investment for them. They got a return, all the rest of it. And I think that's a much nicer way to, to close out a sales page and it'll be much more effective. Can we just quickly go to fast forward to now to 2023, because the environment has changed. You know, we're no longer in the pandemic. We're no longer at home on our computers. We're all busy again back in the world of work. So um, are there any sort of trends and things that are happening now that we should be aware of uh, that course launches, course creators should be aware of? Yeah, I love this question because I have so many thoughts around this because It's not that the skills and the things that you need to do in a launch have changed. You just kind of need to do more of everything. Um, So basically, it feels like the online space is saturated, which I mean, it is. There's a lot of people in every single industry. You know, every kind of course you can imagine is out there. There's multiple options for all of them. Right. That doesn't mean it's not going to sell. That doesn't mean there's not a need for it. That doesn't mean that you can't still bring new things into the world. Um, But it does mean that you have to you know, really show why people should be buying from you. And I think now I'm noticing that people need a bit more warming up to make a decision. Like there seems to be 
purchase decisions seem to have slowed right down. So people that were maybe buying quite quickly during the pandemic and are like, oh, I immediately need this. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to buy this thing. Are now thinking, okay, well, actually, I already have 20 other courses. So do I really need this thing? And they're making a more considered decision. So Mm -hmm. the copy you're writing needs to be more powerful and you need to spend more time warming them up and talking about your programs out there, like so that they know that it's available and so that they know that this sale is coming so that they can prepare financially, prepare to make the correct decision for them. Because what we're doing here is we're not trying to encourage people to spend money for the sake of it. We're trying to get them to spend money if this is a thing that's going to help them, if this is if this is what they need, right? So I think just talking about it more in between launches mm-hmm. and making sure they're aware of what's out there, when it's coming, so that they can make that decision almost before you're having your launch. And then that launch is just the final thing that pushes them to make that the right decision. Yeah, great advice. So a longer launch, pre-launch runway, essentially. I would almost say like as soon as your cart's close and, you know, maybe give yourself a bit of a rest, but just start talking about it again. Like don't stop talking about the offer because the launch is over. Make sure, you know, if you're showing up on podcast, you're name dropping it. Or if you're doing a live on Instagram, you're talking about it and and just talking about the results that people are getting in that program so that people are still thinking about it in between. Um, I think it's super important. Thank you so much, Nikki, for your time today. Now, I know you've got a really helpful resource on your website. Where Let's tell people where we can find you and also um, how they can get a copy of your launch calculator. So for any of our listeners who are considering uh, launching a membership, a course, or anything like that, um, let them know where this resource lives. Yeah, sure. So it's on my website. If you go to www.nikkitrailer.com, that's N-I-K-K-I-T-R-A-I-L-O-R. I I spell it out because everyone gets my name wrong. And then if you go to free stuff, you'll find the launch goal calculator there on that drop down menu. That will pop you onto my email list. I hope that it's a useful resource. Yeah, fantastic. Well, we'll drop it in the show notes. Well, thank you so much. I hope this is helpful to our listeners. We'd love to hear what you thought of the show. And uh, do get in touch if there's anything else that you want to hear about from on launches or from on copywriting and all the factors that go into it. Thanks very much. You have been listening to the Cracking Copy podcast with Ella Hoyos and Minnie McBride. Don't miss out on future episodes by making sure you hit subscribe down below to keep up with all our podcasts. And more details and resources are in our show notes. So we'll see you next time.